0: What's up, everyone? Uh, welcome to another episode of Writing Friction. Um, super excited for today. Uh, I got a very cool author on. Um, his name is Michael Ferris-Smith. What's going on, Michael? Say hello to everybody.
1: Good to see you. Hello, everyone. How
0: you doing, man? And you are recording from Oxford, Mississippi, right?
1: That's correct.
0: What's going on over there?
1: Oh, probably about the same thing that's going on everywhere. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, a whole lot of nothing, yeah. A whole lot know. of nothing.
1: A whole um, lot of white a whole lot of counting the leaves on the trees. That's what I've been doing. Have, you been doing, have you been doing any writing? Well, it's been weird because, um, you know, I have two daughters. So, with yeah. them having, you know, with the shutdown and everything, kids being home, mm-hmm. been very uh, hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Um, not writing much fiction. In fact, I'm almost writing no fiction, but I've been doing some screenplay. Oh, stuff, okay. adaptation stuff from some of my work with some things we got going on so i can do that a little easier you can jab at that stuff a little better than you can like when i'm writing a novel like i, I like to know where i'm gonna be every day at a certain time and kind of uh-huh. get that but uh so i don't know it's been kind of bouncy but it's just the way way life is you just kind of roll with it
0: when you're saying you kind of can jab at, I box, so I'm going to do physical things. Um, when you say you can jab at a screenplay, are you talking about the fact that you can kind of come and go with it? You don't need to totally be involved with it all the time, as opposed to if you're working on a novel, needing to live inside of that world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I find that writing, writing a script is much different than writing anything else I've ever done. And it is. You can, like, you know, pop in and out of scenes or, you know. There's just not, I don't know, there's a great depth to novel writing. That's what I really enjoy, just the complete immersion of it, like where it almost never leaves you. And doing script work it's just a little bit different. Well, for one thing, um, you know, a couple of the things have been, like, based on, like, one um, my own work, so... I already know the story, so it's not like...
0: Okay, yeah, that was a question I was going to ask. I mean, yeah. it, w- with when it comes to screenwriting, well, I mean, you know, I guess when it comes to really any kind of writing, whether it be a novel or a screenwriting or anything, do you know the end already? Do you know where you're getting to? I mean, some authors, you know, write and they just don't know where it's going to go. Some authors know the final sentence of their work. Yeah. Do you work that way? And if so, do you work that way differently as opposed to a novel and a screenplay?
1: As a novelist, I I work completely by the seat of my pants. Oh, like, I, just, I start, I usually like each of my novels is just started with this like really distinct, strong image in my mind that I just can't, can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. And when I can't stop thinking about it, that's how I kind of know this is what you need to try. This is what you need to dive into and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll just, I'll just start with that and following my characters, I'll see where they're going or what they're doing and, you know, what has put them in the place they're, they're, they're currently in. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I'll work it, I'll work for a while. And then when I get done working at the end of the day, I'll make a few notes for like what I think might be coming next. And then the next morning I kind of have a jumping off point, but I don't like plot too far ahead with novels. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the main thing for that is to me has always been, I like the um, notion of discovery that comes with it every day. And I feel like if I'm really discovering as I go along, like if I don't really know what happens until it happens, then I feel like the, it's going to transfer to the reader, mm-hmm. and they're going to have that same experience of discovery and curiosity and notions of revelation as they go through the novel, just like just like I do. You know, yeah. I get asked all the time, "Well, how did you know when that was going to happen, or when that was going to happen, or when did you see that coming?" I'm like. When you knew it, that's pretty much when I knew it.
0: Yeah, and it's amazing how when we're writing, you know, you have your good days and your bad days, and you can, you know, you could talk about, you know, as long as you're just doing it every day, you're you're going forward. But there are times where, even in my own writing, um, you know, I've only released my first book just a couple of, actually, that's how we're even really talking. You released your book Blackwood right around the same time I released my first book and I kind of caught wind of you on Instagram. Um, and then the pandemic hit and then now we're both sitting in our you know our homes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but going back to that, I mean, I remember writing that first book and that day, you know, it was always exciting. You never knew where the next sentence would go. Um, right. You know, I, I knew it was, a you know, I, I wrote a boxing novella um, and I knew he was in a gym, he was in New Jersey. You know, there were things you know And there are things in that universe you can work with those tools. Right. But the idea of discovery in your own mind of just like, you know, even one word can just take you off.
1: Yeah. And I think those are the best days when you have those moments that surprise you, like you sit down and think you may know what you're doing or have an idea of like where, what, what the scene is going to be. And when you, when you're done at the end of the day, it's something completely different, but it's something completely better you thought it might be and that's when like something else is like completely taken over and you've got to be free to like like just let it happen you know and like you said, it can be as simple as like a a character saying something you didn't expect them to say that drives the narrative in a different direction or opens up some type of door or so opens up some type of emotion within a scene that you didn't see coming. Mm -hmm.
0: And even on those like crappy days of writing where it's just not working again, like you said, you know, a character can say a line of dialogue or you can even add a different accent to a character and then boom, you're just, you know, you're kind of, yeah, you're just off to the races. Uh, So For people who don't know, and you know, again, we're kind of just meeting for the first time, really. How did you get into writing? Were you always into reading, writing as a kid? Was it kind of something you picked up later in life, or you know, what kind of brought you to where you are right now?
1: Oh man, it's a long and winding road, I'll tell you that. We
0: we all have one, yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, it's one of those things I could have never, ever like seen coming. Um, Yeah. Growing up, I was a decent student, you know, I just did what I had to do. You know, I knew how to make a B, you know, and I was out and um, I was a ball player. I was really only in the sports, you know, whatever it was in season is what I was playing and okay. Played baseball. I was 21 years old. And then, you know, when that was done, I was, uh, you know, I had a couple of years of college left and I was just kind of not really interested in anything. And in Mississippi, kinda, in Mississippi okay. yeah. but what happened was a, few, a couple of years at, down the road, um, I ended up getting a job work, living abroad and working um, in Europe. And oh, okay. Was, Where in Europe? Uh, started out in Geneva. Okay. Oh, nice. For a <laughs> couple of years. Yeah. And my job kind of moved me around Western Europe to all the countries. So it was kind of cool. cool. I ended up living in Paris. Nice. Um, but what happened during those years was I started reading for entertainment because I couldn't watch television and I had language barriers and, bouncing kind of from one country to the next too. you you only really pick up pieces of Mm -hmm. you know I eventually learned to speak enough French you know to do okay um but I started reading and then I don't know something just kind of started to uh, like shift in me and change in me and when that when that job was over I came back to the states came back to Mississippi I was like 28 29 years old and I just thought well if you're ever going to try to do something crazy like try to write like now is the time to do it Mm -hmm. and I did I just basically cut free of you know what whatever kind of career i had at that point or whatever i had going on i was single i had no attachments and i just hunkered down and i said this is what i'm going to do and it sounds ridiculous to even say that you know um i did enroll in a writing program at the university of southern mississippi the graduate program there because i knew like i didn't know anything about it well i was going to
0: say i mean before that that had you ever taken even a basic writing class ever?
1: No, no, no. Yeah,
0: I, I'm the same wife. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: In fact, I uh, <laughs> I remember when I was uh, applying to that program because I knew I needed to be around some r- real writers. If like I want to, I want to speed this process up as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And I was filling out my application and I was looking at how pathetic it looked, you know. I had like a 2.5 GPA. <laughs> yeah. I had bombed the GRE completely because the night the, I think I took it at like seven o'clock on a Saturday morning. And the that night before happen. I stayed out all night with the woman who is now my wife. Okay. And I bombed the GRE. And I was like, if I mail this in, they're going to throw it in the garbage. I had no, like no writing samples. And so I, instead of uh, mailing it, I got, I borrowed my dad's truck. I didn't even have a car <laughs> and, and I drove to Hattiesburg, which was like an hour away. And I just walked right up in the office at the center for writers at Southern Miss. And I started sat down and talked to Ree Fortenberry, who is was uh, the administrator of that program. Okay. And I just kind of showed her my application and just started talking to her about who I was and what I've been doing and my time abroad and why I felt drawn to this. And I guess she felt set sorry for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe you were a story right in front of her eyes, you
1: know? Maybe so. Um, But, anyways, they they somehow let me in. Okay. And it was the only program I applied for. So that was like, that was it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that kind of kicked it off. And there I was 29, 30 years old coming to it, but also like with no plan B. I was like, it's literally not, my story." Yeah, <laughs> I'm not bullshitting around. Like, this yeah. is what I'm going to do, and I had no idea what that meant at the time. I had no idea, though. Did you have birth. the
0: idea of that first story, that first book, in your no, head
1: when you? No, 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 nothing. No. Literally, you no, had fucking nothing. I was like, I was a blank canvas, is yeah. about as blank as you could be. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't had no idea, like the work I think it would take, and that the the time it was going to take, and. You know, one of my favorite writers is Larry Brown, Okay, a Mississippi writer. and I started reading his work and started reading his interviews. And he was 29 when he started. And he was kind of a blue-collar guy. He worked all these odd jobs, a lot of the, very similar to my own background. And he just decided one day, I feel drawn to this. I want to try it. And he used to call it the apprenticeship. And he's like, you have no idea like when the apprenticeship is going to be over. Mm -hmm. you know it could be five years 10 years 15 years you have no idea when you'll break through and that's you you never will oh many times yeah every day i mean you have moments of light and i i mean even after five novels with a sixth novel coming out in january i still look for things every day like to keep me motivated or to give me hope or to give me uh uh, take away the doubt or whatever. And I don't know if that ever goes away. I wish it did, but I, I don't think it does. Um, well,
0: I talk to different writers and, you know, I, I talk about that a lot uh, doubt and the idea of just, you know, battling doubt with my thing is routine, right? So I know every day, if I do X amount of work for X amount of time at X, you know, time of day, no matter how much doubt is in my head, work is work. Right? Um, right? It's like you write four sentences, delete three, you still have one. Um, so, you know, yeah, so it's refreshing to hear someone who has five novels. Yeah. And it's going to be refreshing for people who hear this to hear you talk also about doubt. Everyone has doubt. Um, I, I imagine Stephen King still has some
1: doubt. Uh, you know, that's the thing I've learned over the years. Do,
0: do it often. again.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, every time I sit down and look at it, I'm like, okay, now, how did I do this again? Yeah yeah but this is the thing like over the years talking to other writers and like getting to know um getting to know some artists and getting to know some musicians like it's amazing and getting to know a few actors like it's amazing like i think we all share this mm-hmm. but we're all kind of hesitant to verbalize it after you have like a certain amount of success because i think you don't want to admit it and maybe you know but it's, it stays there but the, the antidote is work like you said like and routine and work, like getting up and doing something, like going, sitting down, sitting your ass in the chair, yeah. whatever it is you do, and just working. If it's After 30 that. minutes, if it's an hour, like whatever, it doesn't matter. Because do that matter? as soon as you write that first sentence, and I know I know you know what I'm talking about. As soon as you write that first sentence, all of that disappears. Mm-hmm. It all flakes away. It's amazing to me like how quickly, like it, it dissipates once you sit down and start. Turning the wheels and just write a few words. Like, mm-hmm. because you start your, your energy and your imagination, it's like somebody flips a switch and the doubt just like falls away. Just like. That.
0: I mean, you talked about meeting musicians and artists. And I mean, before I started taking writing seriously, um, I've been touring in bands since I was 15 years old, um, mm-hmm. playing guitar. Um, and just like you said, once you write that first sentence, you know, anytime I was going to go on stage, or do anything with my guitar, you, you have to spend time warming up yeah, right, physically. So when I look, when I, every day, when I sit down to write, I know those first 10, 15 minutes are going to be tough. Just yeah. me- I'm warming up my brain. Yeah. You know? That's the and then once you get going and you're in that you know 10, 15, and then you're then you're kind of off to it. Um, but again, it's the doubt. I think some not a lot of people, but some people and I fall victim to this too because I'm still so fresh to all this of you know falling victim to that doubt at times. But knowing that the routine can save you. Um, right. Do you have a routine, like a real strict routine, or are you kind? Of, I mean, you say you have children. Obviously, yes. life
1: has changed with shelter in place. But do right. you normally have a routine? Yeah, in fact, my children actually were part of me getting pretty strict with a routine because you don't have much of a choice. Um, mm-hmm. When my daughters were born, they're they're nine and fifteen now. But probably six or seven years ago, the the first thing that kind of happened was I can't write in the house anymore you know there's stuff everywhere somehow my desk upstairs had become like the place where all the bills were stacking up and like yeah. you want some pressure you try to sit down
0: and <laughs> yeah
1: bills beside you not that's not gonna go very well yeah. so i found me a little like studio space and we were living in columbus mississippi at the time and downtown in one of the old historic buildings and so i would get up in the morning take my daughters to like school or daycare or whatever and as soon as I was done, I go right to my studio and like, that's my working time. Boom. And that's been my pattern for the past six or seven years. And it's like, and that's where I am right now. I'm in my little, my little space now in, um, in Oxford. Um, okay. Same rhythm. I take the girls to school mm-hmm. as, soon as I'm done. I ride around. I listen to tunes for a little bit, like to kind of clear my mind. Yeah. It's little the hustle of like getting up and getting going in the morning. And then I come right here, and like it's business, like I know this is my time. This is my business time. Yeah. My creative time. It's my imagination. It's my playtime, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And I come in here and I work. And when I'm done, then I don't feel the guilt of not working the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And now I can go be daddy. I can go pay bills. I can go run errands. I can do whatever I have to do. And it kind of, it kind of, you know, marinates in me the rest of the day. Like, Hemingway, I kind of learned this from Hemingway. Like He would work in the mornings and then he would say, I'm going to let my subconscious have it the rest of the day. And I'm not going to think of, you know, I'm just going to let it kind of. And I, I find that happens a lot. Like you find yourself thinking about it, maybe making a note or like I never sit down and write anymore, but I'll make a note or two. Like when something kind of occurs to me.
0: Like on your phone or something like that or.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, used I, to have Notepad, but now it's like pop open notes and mm-hmm. make a little note, and you've got it right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, we talked before the podcast. And everyone who knows, um, I own a dog walking business in San Francisco, um, and there are times where I have eight dogs with me, and an idea will just, and I, I, I have to get it down, and I'll just do a voice memo, I'll just yeah. like, dictate, and you, you know, with a lot of you know, creatives, you that's a common theme um music again i'm friends with so many musicians and i know like if a melody pops they just boom and to have that now it's just yeah. so i mean I, I i would have lost so many ideas
1: <laughs> I, I tell people all the time man you better like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you have an idea or if you're at the grocery store walking yeah. dogs and you have you better write it down like right then well so that's just,
0: like yeah that's like the keith richards can't get no satisfaction riff. Yeah. Um, famous that like he woke up in the middle of the night, recorded it, forgot he recorded it, and then you know, um, you <laughs> know, yeah, right. that's kind of it. I mean, you know, I, I, it's almost like if, if your writing isn't keeping you up at night, maybe you're not doing it right. I don't
1: know. <laughs> maybe not working
0: um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you're in your space and you're in where you are right now, I mean, when you say you're working, working is writing. You're researching. I mean, are you very disciplined? Are are you know? Are you going on the Instagram. Like, you know, I mean, how is it, you know, are you really locked in when you're in that space?
1: Yeah. I have a strict, no social media policy or no screwing around policy to like after 11 o'clock or or really whenever I get, you know, if it takes whatever it takes, you know, it's the work first. And then, like I said, everything else, I kind of have a thing I say to myself, like you get done with this, you can go, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. Do whatever you have to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: but let's do this first. Let's take care of what's important Mm -hmm. first while you've got all the energy, while your mind's ready for it, while you know, this is your time while the rest of the world is doing whatever they're doing. Mm -hmm. Let's uh, have this as my time. And then after that I can, you know, do whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, so that, that kind of leads me to another question Um, with your last book that was just released. um, You know, again, I kind of caught wind of you through Instagram, right? I mean, we can't deny the fact of how great, these social media tools can be Um, that said, when you release a book and obviously you're, you're working with major publishers and things like that um, there's discussions, right. About promotion. You gotta, you gotta let people know about this book. Um, And that takes time and energy. I mean, is that something you like loathe doing? I mean, you know, again, you're talking about things that's work, right? Right. Yeah. That's,
1: that's,
0: that's part of being a 21st century author. Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, can, can you, you kind of yeah, shine I, a little light on how you kind of approach that when it comes to promotion and things like that?
1: Yeah. You know, it is something like I talk about with, with publicity and marketing and they have their own ideas and they're doing their own things. But yeah. I think too, like you kind of have to do some stuff yourself um, mm-hmm. in coordination. I try to do it in coordination with what's going on just because it's not my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is necessary. And I think it can be fun too. Yeah. And like, it's a way to find out about um, a book coming out or the reviews or a book tour or if you're doing a live Zoom event or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, I can tell you this, like this year it has been, and you know this, it's been very important because Blackwood came out, I think it was March the 3rd. Yeah. <laughs> and by, March the, by March the 10th, everything was shut down. Like You had book I,
0: signings, right? You had a... Uh...
1: Oh, I had a whole tour like set Mm -hmm. up. In fact, I did like uh, two or three Mississippi events. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Memphis and did an event. And I was the next morning I got on the plane in Memphis to go to Charlotte to head out on book tour. And then in the time, two hour flight from Memphis to Charlotte, when I got off the plane in Charlotte and checked my phone, everything had changed. The NBA had canceled their season. The NCAA tournament had been canceled. And all of a sudden, everything was being shut down. Mm-hmm. And my publicist was like, you should probably just turn around and come back home. And I was like, yeah, I think I should probably just turn around and come back home. So, like, not only was, like – In the, the Charlotte airport. airport yeah. <laughs> well, I, really. I, I
0: know that airport. I spent a lot of time traveling to Florida as a child. My mm-hmm. grandparent and that was New Jersey to Florida. You lay over in Charlotte. I know that. Florida,
1: airport. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an interesting place to be during the –
0: Yeah. The- Is the Cheers <laughs> bar still there?
1: Oh yeah, cool
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, I know it I know it
1: but all the all the all the indie bookstores closed yeah. and were closed for a few weeks. even Amazon stopped shipping books like oh, I be, didn't know that it was like a month to get a book like you couldn't like and same thing happened in the UK like I, yeah. you know released at the same time in the US and the uk yeah. and there was truly like no way to get a book in yeah. your hand like within like a few days. you couldn't go to oh. a store. You couldn't get one shipped to you. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, it was like a very strange thing. You know, fortunately, the reviews kept going. And I was lucky, you know, to get, you know, some really great reviews in some great places, which I helped, think helped. But, you know, we recorded a, a – the guy who owns my building here is a filmmaker. And we did a, a kind of a cool reading.
0: I that saw was, that. Like, the one where you're like kind of reading on the stool and it's kind of
1: rusty yeah, burned <laughs> yeah. out building I kind That's a video, Yeah. So we were pass that around to all the bookstores and everyone who could yeah. share it. So, you know, a way to kind of keep keep yourself out there, you know, the best have you can. To. So, um, have to. so, I mean, it's a necessary evil, but I think you can have fun with it. I think, you know, as long as you're not, you know, on it all the time and where it's distracting, you know, you from what you're supposed to be doing, which is the next thing, then uh-huh. you know, I think it's fine, you know. Yeah. Like um, you and I wouldn't have hooked up without it. So, I mean. You know, to,
0: again, yeah. no, Like you said, it's a necessary evil. It's just, you know, I, I always make the joke, like, what would Philip Roth have written on Twitter? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, the, especially in 2020. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, these, mod, these distract, I mean, because with writing, it's, you have to spend so much time to write you know if i if i you know i'm pointing at my guitar if i write a little riff real quick it's like oh i mean you know it's 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 there like that could take 10 seconds um it doesn't take 10 seconds to write a paragraph it it doesn't even take 10 seconds to write a shitty paragraph it takes longer than that um you know so yeah again i think a lot of people need to hear this like you know this there's so much good that can come out of it but at the same time it's like especially if you're a writer man it could be right detrimental to your time
1: well I think that I think one of the real um dangers of it also particularly in this you know nightmare of a climate political climate we've hmm. been in the last 3 years is that um you can get yourself in a really bad mood by like going down mm-hmm. the rabbit hole of Twitter or Facebook or what or even Instagram now oh, like God. with the with the election coming up like you, begin, you used to not see so much of it on Instagram but yeah now you see more ads and things, but like you can get yourself, like I have, I have to like consciously like stay away from it. Like if I do use it, I go on there, do what I have to do and get out because I find myself looking at things and reading things that just put me in such a shitty mood yeah. that it really like takes away. I mean, I think the mental health of a lot of people have been affected by the, you know, climate in the last few years. And I'm not, I have not been averse to that. You know, you can get really ill and depressed over things and aggravated. And that is a, that's a um, big um, detriment to creativity and the imagination being in a bad place um, spiritually or emotionally or just being pissed off in general um, can really it, screw it, you up. Yeah, you and,
0: and it, I mean, you can find yourself writing about it almost, you know what yeah. I mean? If you If you wake up in a shitty mood, but reading some, you know, awful reddit thread or something like that and then you start writing all of a sudden you're writing in a negative tone where it it could affect everything
1: that's right Um,
0: yeah i mean uh well i think zoom gives is giving us a couple more minutes we'll uh kind of keep going i'm we'll we'll have you back on who knows um yeah but i want to kind of stick it back to when you first started doing all this and you had that you were writing that first book um and you have the doubt, and you're picking up, you know, you're, 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 I'm 33, right? So you're, you know, your late 20s, early 30s. Um, when you were locked into that story, I mean, was there anything that was going to get in your way from finishing that first book? I mean, did, were you just like overtaking? Were you just kind of like, how did that first book really come about? And then once you had that done, did you feel more freedom after that to continue writing?
1: Well, I think, um, uh, just like everybody else, I've got a couple of failed experiments in the Definitely. drawer or in the landfill or wherever. And I would say, you know, my first novel was not a first novel for a while. I stopped and started a few things. And I was in the habit, like I started out writing short stories and trying okay. to publish stories. So I was, but I wanted to get away from that. Like I wanted to do novels. Like that's kind of why I got into it. So when I first started trying to write novels, I would get to like that 50 or 70 page mark and I would just hit the wall. Because I wasn't like, um, I hadn't um, trained, so to speak, for a novel yet. I was trained in the short story. But I can remember, like, um, once I finally said, I'm going to write a full-length manuscript, I don't give a damn what happens. You know, when I get stuck, I'm just going to make something else happen. I'm just going to, like. Walk somebody into the story that who hasn't been there. I'm gonna do anything, but I'm gonna make a story.
0: it story, it's fiction. You could do whatever you want. That's right.
1: <laughs> bring in a gorilla for Christ's sake. Doesn't matter. Do something. Um, and that's that's kind of the lesson I learned. Do something, you know, mix things up, bring yeah. in another character, add dynamic to the story, bring in some storyline that hadn't been there before. Let's layer this thing. And once I did that, I did I finally made it through like a novel manuscript. It was like however many words, 60,000 words, but I felt like, God, I did it. You know, I did it. And I think it's okay. I mean, and it was okay. You know, and like I said, it's in a landfill now, but. <laughs>
0: oh, it, so that know. was not the first book that you would go on to publish.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, so
0: you wrote an entire novel and literally threw it away.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay,
0: Everyone needs to, everyone needs to hear that. Okay.
1: Good. Oh yeah, absolutely. I probably wrote a couple of, you know, quarter-length novels, yeah. and threw them away before I wrote a novel and threw it away. Before I finally like hit on an idea that I was like, okay, I feel like this is different, okay. and I felt it was different for a couple of reasons. Like I was more trained and kind of seasoned for the longer form. Yeah, yeah. during all that writing and all that throwing away, I was getting better. Okay, you know? I was continuing to get better. My sentences were getting better. You know, I was continuing to read, too, which also makes you a better writer.
0: I didn't want to cut you off what you, well, you said it, right? I mean, you have to read in order to be a good writer. And also reading takes time. You know, yeah. I dedicate 45 minutes of my day. Every It's the first thing I do every day. I, I don't yeah. have children, right? Um, yeah. It's the first thing I do every day. And I know it's just you have to read. Yeah, it's smart. Right?
1: I mean, it's like if you want to learn how to be a chef, you wouldn't. You would watch people cook. Exactly. And you would, I mean, you don't just, you don't just wake up knowing how to write. Exactly. Yeah, And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm on a
0: big, I'm going through all, I'm trying to finish every Cormac McCarthy, but I'm, I'm late to the game. Um, and you know, (laughs) it's just like, I read his stuff and he writes a novel in a sentence and reading i i know by reading that i'm only going to be get become a better writer sure. no yes. i can become a shittier writer by reading him um and yeah i think people kind of you know again i'm so new you know a lot more authors than i do but yeah i'm curious how many authors really read a lot if they have the time to read maybe they just right. don't have the time you know if you if you know does danielle still read every day i don't know I, I know she has a giant house in San Francisco.
1: No, that's okay. Uh, well, I think what happens is, like, my experience the last few years, and, like, I rarely read a novel from beginning to end when I'm working on something because my fear is that I'll begin to mimic that voice or I'll – Correct, yeah. lift stuff in a subconscious way. What I find myself doing a lot now as a reader is – well, McCarthy's one of them, but I have, you know, six, eight, ten writers that I really love. And I do a lot of rereading. Like I'll just pick up something off the shelf, open up to wherever, yeah. just read two or three yeah. chapters. Yeah. To get the flow of the language that I love, like to yeah. see how like image driven they are, just to keep it like going, you know, flowing through your veins oh, wow. you know, while you're working. And I find that to be like really helpful. Like it can be really inspiring too, I think, you know, to realize that. You can open up one of these novels anywhere and something's happening and you can see it because it's being created very visually, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's interesting, which is like every page of a novel has, has to be, you know, there is no waiting. People kind of think in the, when they start writing novels, like, well, I'm saving this for later. One of the things I learned was like, why the hell would I save anything? When I learned to take that thing that was on page 50 in that first draft and I put it on page 12 like my novels became much more dynamic and much more like gripping right away.
0: Like, we're not stand up comedians. We can't save our closing bit for the end. Even stand up comedians now, with the attention span of people, are taking their closing bit and putting it at the beginning of their special. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So with,
0: with a writer, yeah, you know, as authors, we have to get readers literally on the first sentence.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You, know? you do? Um,
0: yeah. Um, all right. I'm. I, I'm I hate to cut us off because I think Zoom's going to stop this. Michael, uh, we should do this again, I think, because we probably got more to talk about. Yeah, um, dude.
1: Sure. Yeah,
0: this has been a blast. Um, again, I just want to make sure it doesn't cut us off before I can promote your stuff. Um, yeah. Can you let everyone know what's going on with you right now where they can kind of find you? And
1: Yeah, absolutely. My website is michaelferrissmith.com, and there's all the info there about all my novels, uh, what's going on. Um, any events that may or may not be coming up, it's not any right now. All the reviews, all the where to buy, how to buy, you know. And, of course, support your local indies, everyone. Yeah. Every chance to do it.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right, dude, thanks so much. Yeah, I think we'll do this again, um, and maybe I'll get a better Zoom plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, enjoy the rest of your day, man. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, dude. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
0: All right, we'll talk soon.
1: All right, right on. Later.